from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. I'm joined this week by Genesis Ada Herrera. We're going to talk economic development, uh, specifically uh, in San Antonio and the Bear County uh, greater area. And tied into that will be uh, some efforts that uh, the San Antonio EDF has uh, in the cybersecurity industry. So if you're uh, listening out there on iHeartRadio uh, and you've got a business looking for uh, cybersecurity talent or you're looking to start a cybersecurity business, uh, stay tuned. And uh, Jenna's going to have some interesting things to say and share about the city and uh, how you could bring your business here and how the EDF can get involved to help. So thank you, Jenna, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So for our listeners, we've got a broad audience. There's some folks that will be listening live on 1200 WAI or streaming on iHeart. We'll also get users in via podcast on this afterwards because we'll put this content up on iTunes or Pocket Cast for your Android users out there. If you're listening to us live right now and you won't be able to stay for the full hour, you can look this episode up. It'll go online on Tuesday, January 30th. Um, you can also listen to all of our, our past episodes uh, and programs as well. Uh, we've had on county commissioners and other folks talking about workforce development. Uh, we've um, had one of the organizations, Jenna, that you actually, uh, I think, run and operate out of EDF, SA Works. I've had them on talking about workforce development as well, building that cybersecurity talent pipeline here in our area. So uh, I think there's lots of good content uh, for folks to listen to and learn more about what's going on. But it, this uh, discussion... I think we can really talk and just help them understand economic development overall, because I think this is something, especially for those tech users um, and tech listeners in our audience, uh, are not necessarily very familiar with how economic development happens in general. Yeah, and economic development is just such a broad uh, term in and of itself. But the San Antonio Economic Development Foundation is charged with leading the growth and diversification of the regional economy, which basically means that Um, We work to recruit new companies into the San Antonio market, and then we work with local companies to stay here and and grow here. And how did you decide to get involved in the Economic Development Foundation? Great question. I'd say that um, the Economic Development Foundation and economic development in general called on me. Um, I spent the last 10 years of my career at CPS Energy, which is the largest uh, municipally owned electric and gas utility in the nation, uh, headquartered, of course, here in San Antonio. Um, And we had an economic development division, which I ran in addition to a couple of others, corporate communications, corporate responsibility and marketing. Um, But during that time, um, overseeing that division at CPS Energy, and of course, we were always thinking about the bottom line, and we were thinking about megawatts and making the meter spin, right? Because at the end of the day, as CPS Energy uh, was making money off of the meter spinning, there's a 14% general fund transfer to the city of San Antonio. So just to grossly oversimplify, if you were to think about the cost of, say, fire and police, which is roughly a third of the general fund of the city of San Antonio, that's funded through the revenues that CPS Energy makes. So all of that to say that economic development, uh, companies coming into town, companies growing in town, uh, was very important to CPS Energy. Um, And during that time, I had a chance to serve on the EDF board, and I was just drawn and attracted to the mission. Uh, A lot of folks think that those types of things happen organically, and the city, the community will grow organically, but the EDF exists to um, build on that growth 
in addition to how they would grow organically in more of a thoughtful and informed way. Yeah, and if you're running a, a power company, you like to have as much of a heads up on the growth as you can because if a big operator is going to open up a manufacturing facility to build a bunch of pickup trucks or if someone's going to open up a data center to run cloud computing platforms, those draw a lot of electricity, great new customers for the utility, but if all of a sudden it's not like adding another house or you know I'm going to do an addition to my house, I need another uh, 20 amps or 50 amps or 100 amps. If you know, they're calling up and saying I need uh, the 5 megawatts for a data center or 15 megawatts for a data center, uh, that CPS would like some heads up on those type of things. Indeed, indeed. In fact, um, because of uh, low-cost land in, in our area and, of course, affordable and reliable power, CPS Energy becomes one of our selling points, becomes a pitch point. Um, and the companies like CPS Energy and companies like SAWS are thinking ahead, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. So they are not only um, at the table reactively when we have project opportunities, um, they're also at the table proactively as we're developing those strategies because they, again, they're thinking in the long term and how we can accommodate that growth. Yeah. And it, it's an interesting uh, one as I'm in, involved in some of this and, and think through these things as well. You want a different mixes of uh, customers uh, across that usage for the electricity, for the, the water, because um, the, the networks have peak time periods, they have lull time periods. And can, how do you balance that load out? So like as, as you work to cooperate with the utilities and different uh, businesses there may be opportunities for them to come here as you said and get very affordable electricity if they'll consume a certain type of electricity during a certain time of day that's exactly right you know what's interesting is um today as we record you know on a day where um it's extremely cold uh, in the san antonio market and ERCOT is basically um, sending out warnings to conserve energy a lot of folks don't realize that the majority of of uh, energy usage happen on uh cooling degree days, right? So, or heating degree days, it's it's very different. So today, ERCOT's calling on uh, on us in the San Antonio market to reduce uh, load. And if you think about the diversity of companies that we're looking to bring, diversity of industries um, that are um, all in, in different, I would say, um, environments, facilities using different uh, or having different power requirements, it's fascinating. But yes, they have to be at the table on the front end, both water and electricity. Yeah. So, as you're working now in, you said, economic development, super broad, and you could just recruit generally anyone that the EDF here has a more focused strategy than just going out there for any business anywhere and trying to help them move to San Antonio. I think there's opportunities for folks to run all sorts of, of broad um, types of businesses here. We have folks from almost every industry I can think of uh, running a business in San Antonio, but there are certain areas where we have strengths. Cybersecurity is one of those, and we'll dive uh, more into that as we go along. But what industries overall uh, do you see advantages for San Antonio, and do you have your team working on recruitment uh, for? Uh, another great question. What um, I find most fascinating about the San Antonio market and others find attractive is the diversity uh, of the economy. In fact, it's it's borderline, this is a strong statement, but borderline recession-proof, right? As you've seen the volatility of other markets, um, San Antonio has... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> as Brett is knocking on wood here. Um, but as you see the volatility in other markets that are more dependent on key industries, uh, especially energy, um, San Antonio uh, isn't impacted um, as we've seen those different uh, volatile time periods. So diversity is key, but you're exactly right. Um, most communities go through uh, strategic competitive analyses to identify where they believe they're, they have a competitive advantage within industries. For San Antonio, of course, we have a strong um, core industry in the military, which remains our largest industry. But because of the factors we uh, previously mentioned, uh, land, infrastructure, energy, and water, we are also a very attractive environment for advanced manufacturing. Um, and to your point, uh, cybersecurity. I would add that we also have a very robust bioscience community in the San Antonio market. One in six San Antonians is employed by the bioscience uh, or healthcare industry. Uh, so those are our key areas of focus. We also have, of course, a strong uh, tourism industry here as well. But for the industries that EDF is actively recruiting for around the world, we focus on advanced manufacturing, cybersecurity, uh, bioscience, and energy. Yeah, and with the, the military presence, this is one of the things I find uh, most interesting about San Antonio is there's a significant amount of public and private uh, collaboration, and this goes also across the cybersecurity. But we have a private healthcare sector here, healthcare research through Southwest Research and Texas Biomed. Um, we have university health systems doing uh, education in healthcare. Um, and then we have large private uh, hospital groups. But then there's also the military healthcare uh, running here in San Antonio and collaboration that goes back and forth uh, between public and private sector and military and non-military uh, across these different industries. So similarly with cybersecurity, we have the 24th and 25th Air Force here, NSA Texas here. That's not a secret anymore. The NSA can't hide the buildings <laughs> now. Uh, welcome to the information age. Yeah, before they would have uh, tried to keep the location in top secret, but you can go on Google Maps and you can look up NSA Texas and it's there on the map now. Uh, they have to think about other ways to secure themselves these days. Uh, and, and so you have th those type of things here, but then there's also uh, a number of uh, cybersecurity companies that are headquartered here that serve mostly uh, private sector clients. Um, and they may be some collaboration back and forth between those folks as well. So it's a, a really interesting city, and as you said, almost recession-proof. But, I mean, for our listeners outside the state of Texas uh, to the program, I think it's this view that as oil goes up and down, every metro in the state of Texas goes up and down with it. But what kind of percentage of San Antonio's economy is tied to the, the price of oil? That's a great question. Um, in fact, I just heard a presentation from the Federal Reserve Bank on that. I'd probably have to follow up with the exact stat. Um, there, oh man, I wish I had the presentation in front of me. It was fascinating because it was a, an overlay of uh, the United States economy based off of oil and then also Texas. And so you saw different communities like Houston, uh, of course, was hit a lot harder than we were. Um, San Antonio was hit, but we rebounded uh, more quickly than those other communities did. Um, so let me follow up with that stat. That, that's a great um, yeah. visual. Yeah, for those listening, we'll, we can, uh, we'll get that into the blog post that'll go up with the rebroadcast on Tuesday. Um, so if you're listening to this on iTunes podcast or Pocket Cast on your Android device, uh, go check out our website and the uh, stat and information will be up there. And if you're listening to us live, uh, hang out for a couple of days and check back in with us online at www.cybertalkradio.com. So yeah, as I think about our, our energy industry here and you have uh, folks that are more so involved in the delivery of 
energy than the production of energy up front. So like Valero is, I think, our largest energy company here. They're much more immune to the price of, of oil going up and down. And for them, as long as we're all still driving cars and using gas stations, uh, they're going to be around. And while we, we have some electric cars now, that transition's not happening uh, very quickly. Now, looking at the, the car unit volumes, uh, there's we're still putting out uh, the Toyota Tundras here in town uh, that are coming out of that advanced manufacturing sector. And I think we're shipping more of those uh, per day than than uh, Tesla's shipping of the Model 3 per month right now still. So, uh, yeah, that's there, there's a significant order of magnitude scale of delivery of uh, internal combustion vehicles versus electric vehicles still. I think you're exactly right. And not to uh, take our conversation in a totally different direction, but um, first of all, we see continued growth, especially for Toyota, who, of course, we follow closely as a large employer here in town. Um, but if you think about uh, Tesla and their business model, it's really more of a technology uh, company, and I would argue even a power company, right, with their with the batteries. And a project that, by the way, uh, we competed for in the San Antonio market, the Gigafactory. Um, but that's their play. And it's really trying to um, solve for the gap in um, battery storage, or the need for battery storage technology or storage in and of itself in the power sector. And I think that's really where Tesla is attempting to uh, play right now. Yeah. No, it's going to be interesting to watch uh, all of, of that energy delivery evolve as, as we, we stop running a bunch of small generators in our cars, effectively, that are creating power to drive the wheels. That's going to be that usage is going to move from all, all those individual fuel tanks to some central increase in power um, is it whether it goes through cps or whether people do solar panels or whether uh, folks start building their own power generation i think that's a really bad idea we've had uh, folks on doing cybersecurity infrastructure um, for those type of businesses and um, it's not something uh, that we should all be trying to do at home um, it's hard enough to keep your laptop um, and your computers safe from hackers when you start talking about keeping the infrastructure and utilities safe from uh, those type of attacks this is uh, something that uh, is a whole different game and and it's one that's we need to be very thoughtful about um, because if you you have this power distribution um, it, it's as we become increasingly reliant on that grid um, it needs to be one where um, we're leaving it to experts. You're not decentralizing all of these things completely in a way, um, or even some of the energy sharing it gets pretty complicated in a hurry. But we've we've done some programs on that infrastructure security. If you wanted to listen to those, um, you can check us out online at www.cybertalkradio.com. So as you you went through healthcare industry, um, and that's an established sector here at scale in San Antonio. If we look, we've got. Um, that military-related economy, healthcare is one of our largest, maybe larger than tourism even as an industry? It is, significantly. So if you look at the scale, uh, the military is about $47 billion of an annual economic impact. Um, shortly uh, following is bioscience at $36 billion. Advanced manufacturing is about right there. Uh, tourism is about 13 so there's a significant drop-off. Financial services is right there, and IT and cybersecurity is about 10 so it, it's right behind tourism. But I would argue that uh, new energy and IT and cyber are highest growth opportunities as well. So as we look at that um, breakdown, you know, three, five years from now, I guarantee you IT and cyber will be much higher. It's just less uh, capital intensive than advanced manufacturing and bioscience. Yeah, this is and this is some of the uh, interesting things is you, you look at investment and before it, it 
the economic development incentives would be property tax abatements for the the building of a new facility or those sorts of things in 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 the cyber world especially um, no one's building buildings or at least not billion dollar manufacturing plants they may be hiring folks um, but they're doing it typically in leased office space you're exactly right across the board um, for multiple industries not just uh, IT and cyber but right now we've uh, we're having this conversation with, I'd say, at least 15 of the projects we're working in. Just to put that into perspective, we're actively working in about 100 projects, uh, give or take, uh, in any given time period. Um, but what we're finding is not only are folks uh, equipped to work remotely, uh, just it makes more sense for folks to think um, about investing less in, in the upfront capital, investing more in their people. And so I know that uh, the city of San Antonio, Bear County, and even the state of Texas are actively reviewing their incentive policies to see how uh, we can stay up with, with the times. I think right now we're a bit archaic uh, in our approach to incentive uh, policies, but I'm not really sure any uh, community across the United States has figured it out because the, the time and the speed at which uh, our industries are evolving, it's hard for the public sector to keep up, but they're actively trying here locally. We're benefiting from a lot of innovative leaders here. Yeah. So and as you, you talk about these projects, so you're working 100 projects. And if the folks are following along in the San Antonio community and you read the Express News or the Business Journal or any of the other things, you'll see every once in a while there's an announcement that's public that talks about EDF and some city and county incentives and some jobs coming here. Uh, there was one from uh, Ernst & Young uh, earlier this year that talked about 500 jobs for um the accounting division at Ernst & Young, I believe, are bringing into town. Is that correct? That's right. It was uh, about 600. 600 jobs. Mm -hmm. So that one is public, but many of these, it sounds like, don't end up out there in the press or out there in the news. That's right. I would say two years ago, 100% of them stayed confidential and public. But right now we are dealing with a different political environment, uh, which is impacting and I would say disrupting economic development. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, but if you think about some of the larger scale projects, primarily the international companies that are playing into the public relations game at the federal level, they are um, committing to these big audacious investment numbers and goals for um, uh, the United States, and that's working to our advantage, to be quite honest. But the challenge or the disadvantage is that um, as these projects play out publicly, oftentimes uh, we find ourselves playing into the public relations aspect of it instead of focusing on the operations. And uh, obviously, we're more efficient when what we're doing is confidential. We're working behind the scenes, and we're presenting the, the best uh, business case we can to these companies. But Last year alone, um, of the five largest projects by size and scale that we worked, three of them uh, were public. Um, and again, we can't comment, right? We enter into non-disclosure agreements. And so it's always interesting to see how you respond to media or inquiries or even the local business community that wants to help, quite honestly. Yeah. And and then uh, another one, I think, from this past year uh, that is a brand that our, our audience may be familiar with is Hulu. Yeah, and so that was uh, a few hundred jobs to get started and 500 jobs. That's right. So uh, Hulu's 500. In fact, they've already hired, I believe, over 400 uh, in their office. It's a really neat office space out in the medical center. Um, so Hulu's a, a recognizable brand name. EY is a large project. What I'd add is that um, you know EY committed to 600, and that's what was incentivized, but that project will be much larger than the 600. And so when we think back to our policies and um, – 
the antiquated structure, keep in mind that these companies are being conservative with what they commit to. So there's actually a lot of upside potential for all of these projects. But what I'm most proud of last year, I think of the projects that we touched with our partners, uh, we landed over 5,200 jobs, uh, about 350 million capital investment. Um, good stats, right? We exceeded our targets. But what I'm most proud of uh, is the brand uh, brand names tied to these projects. So the USA expansion was key for us. Hulu was significant. EY was significant. TJX. These are global brands. You know, Fortune uh, 83 in the in the example of TJX that are recognizing San Antonio's potential, and I think others will start to take notice. So as you, as you look through those 2017 results, uh, is this goal for 2018, another 5,000 jobs, another 350 million, or are you trying to drive uh, growth in uh, what EDF is able to impact and what your team is able to accomplish? A little bit of both. So um, this past year, our goal is, is this was actually the first year that we set this kind of comprehensive scorecard for our community. We're tracking longer term indicators, median household income, GDP, et cetera. But we're also tracking kind of the near term market results of those projects we touch, right? So number of jobs, capital investment, high wage jobs, target industry jobs. Uh, we're tracking uh, post-secondary completions aligned to um, the target industries that we're after. So to answer your direct question, um, the target for job counts this past year was 4,000. The target for capital investment uh, was 300 million. And so we exceeded those goals and we're setting stretch goals for 2018 and into 2020. Uh, collectively, if we achieve the targets that we've outlined for 2020, we're set to um, impact or inject $45 billion of economic impact to the San Antonio community. And again, that's direct impact. So the indirect impact would be uh, exponentially larger. So and uh, for our listeners out there that uh, may own a business in San Antonio or may be interested in helping you drive the success of San Antonio, how do they get involved with EDF? Call the EDF. We um, have a phone number that we answer at any given time. Um, also reach out to me. Uh, one of the tenets of the EDF and our strategy is to engage the private sector because the private sector understands these industries that we're seeking, that we're after. And so we need the private sector to engage, roll up their sleeves, help us with pitches, um, invest in the operation, all of the above, because this is really a, a public-private partnership. Yeah. And so as you report into a, a board that's made up of public and private partners? I do. Majority private sector. Um, when we were founded by McDermott, General McDermott, the former CEO of USAA, we are 100% um, private sector funded and driven. Um, five years ago, we entered into the public-private arrangement. So today, I answer to a board of 16 executives, 14 are private sector, and Cheryl Scully, the city manager, and David Marquez from the county also serve on that board. So uh, after uh, we break here at the bottom of the hour for a news, traffic, and weather update, I'm going to ask you to uh, answer to our listening audience. We're going to go through a, a scenario where uh, I will pretend I'm running a cybersecurity company. I might actually run one, but I'm already here in San Antonio. But I'll pretend I'm either running a cybersecurity company that's not in San Antonio yet, uh, maybe even going through as a perspective of a, a Fortune 500 board that's looking at increased cyber risk across their business. This is now a board-level conversation. Where and how are they going to staff up uh, their cyber operations in order to meet that shifting uh, risk that they're facing um, and the uh, talent shortages that uh, we have. This will also uh, tie into a second thing we can uh, talk a little bit more about after the break, uh, which is SA Works and that workforce development pipeline. Because I'm 
expect with where unemployment is at in America these days, uh, the number one question you get uh, from business leaders looking at our market is uh, how many people are here that I can hire? How many people are in school in the metro I can hire? Because um, getting folks to pack up and move their family and importing talent uh, becomes very expensive in a hurry. So if you uh, just turn the radio on now and you're uh, joining us for CyberTalk Radio, I'm your host, Brett Pyatt. I'm joined this week by Jenna Seseda Herrera, the president and CEO of San Antonio's Economic Development Foundation. Jenna, if those folks were to want to look and learn more about EDF, what is your website for them to go to? SanAntonioEDF.com. SanAntonioEDF.com. And then you'd mentioned as well a phone number. That's right, uh, 210-802-4856. You can also find us on uh, social media as well. Yeah, so the workforce development piece we're going to talk a bit more about with heading into break here. Give folks a 15-second teaser on uh, what is SA Works. Oh, SA Works is an industry-driven um, workforce development program where we're focused specifically on filling the need for our target sector industries. We are going to uh, break here for news, traffic, and weather, and we will be back with Genesis Ada Herrera. Cyber Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran, and I'm joined this week by the CEO of the Economic Development Foundation here in San Antonio, Jenna Ceseda Herrera. Jenna, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So if you uh, just picked up the program here after the news, traffic, and weather update, uh, we talked about some of the background of EDF, um, how Jenna arrived uh, in the role she's in today. Uh, you'll be able to listen to that on our rebroadcast. It'll be up on the internet on Tuesday, January 30th. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. Or if you uh, enjoy listening to programs like this via podcast, uh, we're on iTunes, uh, Pocket Cast, or any of your other favorite podcasting apps uh, across the uh, Android platform. We had promised the uh, listeners that stuck with us through that break uh, that I was going to uh, pretend I run a cybersecurity company, which I do for my day job, um, but that I was running one that's looking at expanding or growing uh, my business. Um, and why would I or should I think about considering San Antonio as a market? So uh, pretend I, I've called that phone number we gave out there before the break, and I, I asked uh, to EDF. So I'm in a cybersecurity business. I'm looking at an office expansion this year. I want to hire 25 more cybersecurity professionals for a new center. Why should I consider San Antonio? So first of all, uh, you're actively um, a prospect for us because not only would we like you to grow in San Antonio, we need to keep you here. And so that's part of our uh, business retention program as well, visiting with folks like yourself and, and talking about um, the competitive advantages for San Antonio. Um, but very simply, um, if you're a company that's here in San Antonio or you're a company that we're looking to recruit, 
Um, our two pitch points for cybersecurity are cost of doing business and talent, right? So when you when you kind of dig deeper into cost of doing business, think about the favorable tax environment, even at the state level. Um, and then here locally, um, think about real estate, right? Think about um, your office space here um, in the RAND building and, and compare that to outside of market costs. So um, conducting comparative analyses always helps us in, in telling our story. Uh, talent availability, thinking about um, the veteran workforce that's here in the San Antonio market. And I would also say the cost uh, of the talent as well. And you, you've lived in that world, and so you've actually um, had to compare uh, the cost of doing business here as opposed to outside of the market. Yeah, if you, you look at uh, places where other cybersecurity firms are, are concentrated today, uh, maybe in the Boston metro or in the, the Bay Area, safe to say that uh, Class A commercial office space here is half the price or lower? If not lower, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and is, then as you get into that, that quality of life uh, aspect, and as you're recruiting, uh, especially the newer college graduates or folks that are earlier in their careers right now, I think we're seeing this transition where folks are interested in building and developing their career, but they don't want to just sacrifice everything for that career for a five or 10 year period where maybe people would have lived in a tiny apartment just to focus on work and do nothing but work for an extended period of time until they were able to build to a seniority level where they can start living and not just working. And, and with that that transition, you have uh, potentially lower wage structure in San Antonio, but I think those dollars go much further here for the folks in your staff. So you're able as a, a business owner to pay less than you would need to in a major metro where cybersecurity operations are happening today. Um, but at the same time, your employees will be able to enjoy life much more with those those dollars that they're getting from you. And that's extremely important in our conversation. So that uh, quality of life aspect. In the previous segment, we talked about workforce development. And uh, you actually mentioned that for CEOs that are making either expansion or relocation decisions, their primary decision-making factor is workforce development, right? So will I have the available, the skilled workforce to fill the jobs? And so that quality of life pitch, I would say becomes 30% of the equation. For some companies like Hulu and others that are very focused on culture, it's even more uh, of the uh, equation when we're making that pitch. So the hard numbers, uh, you know, cost of doing business, talent availability are important, but that quality of life aspect is equally, if not more important. And so the um, the pitch about the ecosystem that we're building in San Antonio, if you think specifically on the cybersecurity side of the equation, um, the incubators, right? So we have BuildSec Foundry here in, in Geekdom. We also have one at UTSA. Um, but then there's proximity to um, the Air Force Cyber Command, uh, NSA, as you mentioned also in the previous segment. So we're building up the ecosystem for cyber so that sustainability is there um, to support careers maybe in other businesses. But in addition, um, because your dollar goes further here in San Antonio, you know, young millennials can afford to buy a home, right? A comfortable home close to downtown, um, the walkability, all of those different features that these young professionals are looking for. Uh, I would be honest and say we're a bit behind the time, but we're working now to build out that environment um, to attract those types of professionals. Yeah, and this is interesting. Someone that's listening from the city is probably going to be upset with me a little bit for this comment, but uh, we talk about uh, affordable housing here. And San Antonio, from a city perspective, they view we have an affordable housing crisis. Um, I think that if you go spend a little bit of time in any of these metros we're talking about now, uh, I mean, $2,000, $3,000, $4,000 a square foot are 
the prices that uh, houses, condos are going for in some of these markets, in some areas in these markets. Um, I think the most expensive condos, class A, top grade building here in San Antonio are five or $600 a square foot. Um, and most housing in San Antonio, you can, I mean, it's pretty hard to live here and need more than a 45 minute commute unless you maybe bought a house all the way on one side of town opposite from where you're working um, on purpose, or you maybe switch jobs at some point in time all the way to the other side of the metro to get over a 45-minute commute. But if you look at at staying inside that 30 or 45-minute commute number where people have good quality of life job satisfaction on that drive and, and getting to and from work, you can easily buy a nice quality house, good schools for $100 a square foot in San Antonio. That's right. But it's all in perspective. Uh, yeah. And I think this is just interesting. Um, you know, as we prepare, in fact, we're uh, here in 2018, which is our uh, tricentennial birthday year, right? I think it's a perfect opportunity for us to think about how far we've come, right? But also where we're going as a community and making sure that we balance, uh, you know, being that forward thinking, innovative city that we're all trying to build with, again, our legacy, our rich history and culture. But that perspective and that balance of being um, a top tier city, if we're going to compete globally for talent, for jobs, for the environment that these young professionals are looking for, uh, we've got to have that perspective. And that's not just for housing. I mean, across the board, housing, transportation, energy, water, right? All of the different uh, economic development assets, right, that are basically tools in, in my toolkit. We've got to think about making sure that we're managing innovation uh, and perspective. Yeah. And then we've, we've always got Mark Twain's quote to fall back to that we're we're one of the four unique cities in uh, all of North America. <laughs> so and that's not a made up Mark Twain quote. That's a real one. You can go check it out on the Internet uh, and fact check me there. But uh, that was a good one. And, and it is because we have this 300 year history. It's San Antonio is older than America. It was here. And then all of a sudden it was uh, part of the state of Texas. But the city was already here and had been here and, and things had changed around it. Um, from the workforce perspective, as we'll uh, get into this here for a minute. So um, on the cybersecurity side of things, uh, what do we have coming up through the high schools and uh, colleges here in this area for producing uh, cybersecurity trained and skilled folks? Because I think everyone that across the nation that's thinking about hiring in cyber realizes there's already hundreds of thousands of jobs posted that are not going to be able to be filled in 2018. And that number's heading towards millions. Um, San Antonio, what are we seeing here? And what are we doing to develop that pipeline to allow employers to fill cyber jobs with skilled and talented folks? Mm -hmm. So that's a uh... Uh, probably a, a question conversation that uh, we can have for the next hour or so. But what we're working to do here is to dig deeper into the talent pipeline. And there are different segments of that talent pipeline. So I know that you've had a conversation with my SA Works team uh, before. And um, our, our team focuses on experiential learning at the K through 12 level, right? If you dig deep, uh, deeper into the talent pipeline, uh, what we find is oftentimes folks in San Antonio and really across the United States, um, they just aren't aware of the opportunities, right? So you're not thinking, you know, the average fourth grader isn't thinking about an opportunity in the cybersecurity field. But if he has an opportunity to shadow you during job shadow day, like you hosted um, earlier this year, it opens their eyes to additional opportunities. But as they progress through the ranks, right? And if you think about um, all the way up to higher education, we have uh, here at UTSA, the number one cybersecurity uh, program in the nation, right? I think our opportunity is in 
filling the gap, right, between the higher ed and K through 12 programs? And what can we do to make sure that we're continuing to grow those talented San Antonians um, to uh, develop within that career field? The challenge, though, and you would understand this much better than I do, is the speed at which the industry evolves and making sure that as we grow these professionals, they're nimble to adjust to what industry needs. Yeah. And as as I look at the the efforts we have going on here down in the K through 12 as well, you've got the job shadow days, but then uh, there's a the Cyber Patriot uh, program, which Cyber Texas Foundation has done a great job of helping drive growth in the San Antonio area. And if you, you look at metros across the U.S., the largest number of Cyber Patriot teams is in the Los Angeles metro in Southern California. The second largest concentration of teams is in San Antonio. Um, so on a per capita basis, we are by far the most actively involved in Cyber Patriot. If you've not heard of Cyber Patriot before, check that out on your search engine. You can also listen to a, a number of past programs where we've had on um, some of the coaches uh, for the different teams. So we've had um, interviewed a number of actual um, high school and middle school students uh, that participated on it. And uh, the mayor hosts a Cyber Cup luncheon here at the end of each uh, season to celebrate the teams that went on to, to nationals and did well and, and won their respective championships. Uh, so Cyber Patriot, I think, is a great way when you're developing that uh, talent pipeline generating again the awareness about uh, cybersecurity earlier on so kids aren't just thinking I want to be a, a lawyer a doctor a firefighter a police officer like as you asked the fourth grader those are the things you're going to get because those are the things that they see and then going through it to you mentioned UTSA as a university and that's one of our, our schools here that's achieved the uh, uh, NSA and DHS uh, center of excellence for cybersecurity they're not the only one though correct so we're actually up to six uh, NSA centers of excellence uh, here in the San Antonio market continuing on through the the bachelor's degree programs um, a number of the universities in the area are also offering uh, masters or uh, beyond uh, for advanced degrees uh, you can go to the cyber talk radio website www.cybertalkradio.com um, go to our past episode search uh, and just search for uh, education you'll be able to find uh, interviews with professors from uh, a number of the different schools whether it's texas a&m san antonio utsa st mary's our lady of the lake across the board they're talking about um, the different types of cybersecurity degree programs that they're uh, all running uh, and as you you look at those degree programs cybersecurity is a big broad uh, industry in a way because it covers all the way through to the hacker nerdy stuff that you see on tv with mr robot back through to policy and planning and process because as uh, we recently had this hawaii incident alert and everyone's like how can that happen this must have been a cyber attack no that was just a poorly designed process that put an operator in a situation um, that allowed them to make uh, an error on their own and that type of activity doesn't get fixed by having a computer science cybersecurity super tech person looking at, at how to attack and defend against these zero-day vulnerabilities that goes back into policy and process planning and thinking about that security holistically and that's all covered in the various degree programs we have here from cybersecurity um, at coming out of the university. So in many of the metros, I think you end up in a spot where maybe you can recruit 
the quote hackers. You can recruit those those computer programmers, breath and cyber, but you won't necessarily be able to get folks coming in at that entry level operator, maybe out of a cyber patriot program straight out of high school where they can move into an analyst role or into the policy roles you need to design the processes and systems or all the way through to uh, hands-on master's programs that are diving into how to dissect malware, how to uh, break down attacks at the technical level. And all of those uh, folks are getting produced out of the workforce pipeline that's being developed here in San Antonio right now. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and I'm joined this week with Genesis Ada Herrera from the San Antonio Economic Development Foundation. We're talking about uh, why you would open or expand a cyber operations in the city of San Antonio. Uh, and Jenna, going through, so if someone engages with your team for uh, businesses new to engaging with an EDF organization, from the time they make that first phone call or request to you uh, up until you can turn around uh, information to them or even all the way through a, a, maybe for a larger scale project that's going to have city or county or state incentives in it, what does that timeline look like? Oh, goodness, it varies. So um, there's a proactive way to look at it and then a reactive way to look at it. So proactively as we're out in the market um, trying to uh, communicate with these companies or, or build relationships with these companies, obviously that we're building the data that's required to make the pitch. But on the reactive side, to answer your direct question, it, it varies um, entirely. So some uh, some companies are looking at a turnaround time of, you know, a couple of days. Some are looking for the larger projects, you know, in a couple of weeks. But I'll give you an example of a, a large-scale project um, that we're working right now that requested, um, and this is a large-scale project by, you know, um, I'd say north of a thousand jobs that uh, that requested a turnaround time in two weeks. Um, and so it, it varies. Yeah. So for those thinking, oh, I'm, I'm going to engage with this organization, it's going to move at the speed of bureaucracy, which is not the case. We don't have the luxury um, at moving at the speed of bureaucracy. But one thing I would note, um, and this is one of the reasons why we've got to engage the private sector, is because our pitch points, the stats and the facts, they change so uh, rapidly. Um, and so it's important that we're engaging the private sector, that we're keeping our pitch points or our facts up to date so that we're, when we're in the market, when we're talking about San Antonio, we have the stats down. Yeah. So for, for those thinking, well, if, if I'm going to move to San Antonio, it's not a, a giant tech hub, but we talked about the fact that there's a $10 billion, $10 billion worth of our economy here is tied to tech and cybersecurity already in San Antonio. I think that number of folks maybe go, wow, I didn't realize that San Antonio was doing $10 billion a year worth of technology. Um, from a, a cybersecurity company and of headquarters and operations perspective, what sort of numbers do you see specifically narrowing that down into cyber? So uh, the numbers are a bit misleading, in my opinion, because if you look across the industry, so if you think about manufacturing, you think about financial services, and you think about new energy, in my opinion, um, there and not just my opinion, there's a cybersecurity track across all those industries. So even in the $10 billion number that we have for IT and cyber, of which cyber makes up the majority, um, I still think that there's an indirect um uh, value add of the cybersecurity stream within those other industries. So as it relates to um, the existing investment, but also potential growth, I think cybersecurity has the opportunity, if we if we are aggressive about it, um, to grow at least to our third largest industry in San Antonio. 
and as you look at the the overall layout here, so there's head companies already headquartered here, um, like Jungle Disc, the company that I run, but there's 50 plus companies that are headquartered here in San Antonio. That's right. So um, 140 uh, companies that have cybersecurity uh, component to their operation, and then 50 are headquartered here. So is, is this is one where I think people, as they start to think outside of a Silicon Valley or a Boston or some of these cyber hubs is, am I going to be on an island by myself if I move and open up in San Antonio? Uh, and that's not the case. And I think we have the uh, CyberDef Dojo here as you get down into the, the active practitioner side of things, which is the largest um, cybersecurity meetup in the U.S., um, if you wanted to learn more about CyberDef Dojo, we had on the uh, organizer on the program as well, and you can look that up on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. And we also have a, a very large and active ISSA chapter here in San Antonio, uh, as well as various other security organizations. And then Dr. White out at UTSA was just uh, awarded a uh, research grant around uh, building out information sharing organizations. And this is allowing um, industry to co collaborate with each other during times of uh, cybersecurity crisis or event. Uh, so as you, you look across that hands-on technical practitioner, maybe more to ISSA, which is going to cover more policy, all the way through to information sharing organizations and really big high-level policy development, uh, there's areas where if you open up an operation here, you can engage directly with uh, folks all the way through those steps of the process uh, to build out your cybersecurity needs. I think that's a great point. You know, last year um, we worked uh, well, multiple cyber projects, but we were able to close on two uh, relocations. Our one was a relocation Freedom Security Alliance, which is um, hiring up to 120 uh, folks here in San Antonio. And then uh, Noblis, which was a smaller operation, is expanding here. Um, but that's exactly right. The ecosystem, uh, the elements, everything that you're talking about is a part of what attracts these companies to San Antonio. Yeah, and then the Freedom Security Alliance that you, you mentioned, they build out security operation centers and secured facilities and all of those. So as you, you think, well, if we are going to open up in San Antonio, what am I going to do to be able to source my facilities? facility and all the rest of the pieces of the pipeline. And this is, the, I think, the value of the cybersecurity industry and the critical mass in San Antonio versus many of the other markets is you go through and start checking off all the things you need to do to get an operations up and running. And all of those are all here as local providers uh, all the way through, um, whether it's for getting um, accreditation for different audits. There's cyber professional auditing firms here in town. Uh, through to facilities building, through to security training. Um, companies that cover all of those aspects are all here in the, the San Antonio area. So as, as we've been talking um, on some of the breaks during the program, that I think there's some misconceptions about the San Antonio market uh, overall. So if we, we looked at San Antonio, if you're not from here, in San Antonio, uh, desert or tree canopy? <laughs> Uh, you're exactly right. We have a lot of work to do um, on our uh, branding efforts external to the market. I think what's happened in previous years is um, our outside uh, of market branding has been dominated by uh, attractions, rightfully so, right? If you think about San Antonio as the top tourist destination in Texas, there's a reason for that, right? So when we've gone out and we have actually um, engaged C-suite executives um, and pulled them on what they're aware of in the San Antonio market, you can guess that, of course, they're aware of the Spurs, 
the Alamo and the Riverwalk, right? And yeah. that's, that's by design from a, a tourism and attraction perspective. Um, but we have a lot of work to do in alignment with Visit San Antonio to better inform that brand uh, and the opportunity that exists here uh, within our market. But we have a lot to do uh, to overcome those uh, misperceptions. Yeah. And so as, as you have that, there's more tree canopy in San Antonio. There's no desert here. Sand is actually really expensive. I've just done some <laughs> some work in my yard where I needed to lay a sand base down and it cost more than the stone I was going to put on top of it. So yeah, we're not a desert here. Uh, there's some desert out in West Texas, but I think most of even the, uh, the John Wayne movies were probably filmed in Arizona because there's, <laughs> as I've driven all over Texas here in my 14 years, I don't see a uh, big cactus everywhere. Like you, you may believe um, if you've only read novels or watched movies about the state. So let's see. On the other thing is uh, uh, English language fluency. Like is San Antonio. So we're more than 50% Hispanic here. But are, are they all only speaking Spanish? That's actually a great question. So we are over 50% um, Hispanic and 38% of our market is bilingual, um, Spanish and English speaking, which is a significant advantage to us. If you think about um, operations moving to 24-7 operations and you also think about um, our geographic location in the central time zone, add to that um, the fluency of our population, uh, which helps. And think about the fact that I've, I've heard um, it said, I think it was Evan Smith with the Tribune who said that um, Texas is a leading indicator by way of ethnicity for the United States and San Antonio is a leading indicator for the state of Texas. Um, so all of those are value adds uh, when it comes to uh, our local market. Yeah, it is, uh, our local market, I think, is uh, much of our Hispanic uh, population will refer to themselves as Texans and they all speak English. They may speak Spanish as well. And there is a good amount of dual language here, but there's uh, a large portion of our Hispanic population that views themselves as Texans and they only speak English. That's their only language. So uh, it's it, unlock, come down, visit, dig in, learn a little bit more about San Antonio. It's a, a great place to run a cybersecurity business. Um, I'm happy to be an, an advocate for Jenna and a, uh, help you uh, learn more about this market if you come to town and visit. And she's got great folks on her team uh, as well to, to get engaged with you and host you on, on a visit here to town. Uh, if you'd like us to come visit you as a city um, and an economic development organization, uh, you can reach out to them at sanantonioedf.com. 